0: Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Good morning everyone, thanks so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today happens to be one of those days when there's so much to talk about. I mean, as we watch the news uh, over time, over the last 24 hours, needless to say, there's a lot going on in America, isn't there? A whole lot. Uh, today's Friday, June 5th, 2020. We're smack in the midst of almost summer. Still supposed to be spring, but you can't tell that to the weather outside. It is so hot here in Michigan. We kind of went like from from uh, 40 degrees to 90 degrees, like <laughs> with the grass getting brown and all kinds of stuff, and constantly uh, watering and stuff. I'm enjoying it, by the way. I'm enjoying the gardening and. You know, you know how that is—spraying the water and all that kind of stuff. I got a chance to be by the water in Detroit yesterday. That was really refreshing. But while we were down there, I observed something. There was some kind of activity going on, and for the first time since I've lived in Detroit, I saw Border Patrol. <laughs> Can you believe it? Border Patrol was on the streets of downtown Detroit on Jefferson yesterday, riding around like. And they, they, this, were, this was how Detroiters looked like. You've got to be kidding me. Border Patrol on the streets of Jefferson. Now you gotta know that Jefferson is where the headquarters of General Motors is located. Jefferson is also where City Hall is located. It's at the intersection of Woodward and Jefferson where the mayor's office is and the city council, the Detroit city council. And there is Border Patrol driving on Jefferson. Now, according to the law, the Border Patrol can penetrate up to 100 miles inward Hundred miles from an international border, and as you know, we're like smack across the river from Canada. We can wave to people in Canada. You know, you can just sail over there if you want, but then the U.S. Coast Guard will stop you. So don't, don't do it. Don't do it. The Coast Guard is very active, as we saw yesterday. So it's just interesting. We live in interesting times when uh, you can find Border Patrol patrolling the streets of downtown Detroit. I wonder if anybody from the Detroit Police Department is hearing me. Because I saw a police cruiser yesterday and they looked just as surprised as we were because that's their vicinity and their jurisdiction. And yet here is border patrol. Had lights flashing too, y'all. Scary stuff. Like people were just like, let me get off the street and get home. That's kind of how I viewed it too. I'm like, let me get home because I'm not about to have an in- encounter with anybody anywhere at any time. So it's because it's just crazy stuff. So today, Yesterday, we talked about uh, Floyd, George Floyd, and his whole situation with um, yesterday was one of his memorial services in Minneapolis, which was very emotional. I did not watch the entirety of it. I just saw parts of it, and I couldn't handle it myself. It was very emotional, and I suspect it's going to prove very hard for people moving forward to to understand it, because George Floyd is kind of a representation of every black man who has been killed by police. And we are getting to more nationally. There was, uh, in recent times, we had Ahmaud Aubrey, And today we're talking about one of them. Black lives do matter. Breonna Taylor. Today is the birthday, the 27th birthday of Breonna Taylor. Guess what? She didn't live to see it. I have a 27-year-old daughter. Yes, I'm old enough. I didn't start out as a child bride, Uh, but I have a 27-year-old daughter. She's very much alive. She's very much studying. She's someone I can reach and touch. And by the grace of God, I didn't lose my child to police violence or gun violence or any kind of violence. I'm very grateful that I have her, and she's alive and kicking. I also have a 17-year-old daughter. I'm very much grateful that she, too, is alive and very much alive and, in fact, will be embarking the uh, other stage of her education with Michigan State University in just a few weeks. Now, I cannot, I'm, I'm saying all of that, so I normalize and humanize the suffering of Brianna Taylor's parents. Brianna Taylor has a mother and a father and an uncle and aunt, cousin, and nieces who today are mourning the fact that instead of celebrating her birthday they're at her tomb they're at her graveside looking at what is left of her life we've got to put this into perspective because it's important to memorialize it because this is a life that was lost this is why they're having the public showing of george floyd's funeral so we never forget Just a few minutes ago, I was watching CNN, and they gave the jobless report, and the CNN commentators were frank in their discussion that joblessness is affecting black Americans more disproportionately than any other group in the country. And it is not fair, they're highlighting these are the systemic issues why people are marching. Now, the police feel justified in pushing people down like the police did in in Buffalo, New York, and caused the man to fracture his skull. They feel justified in putting their knee on the neck of George Floyd. They want to criminalize people and they wanted to criminalize Breonna Taylor as if she had done something wrong when all she was doing was sleeping while black. She was in her own apartment sleeping. She had worked a shift as an EMT. She worked during the pandemic. Her family's biggest fear was that because of her job, she would have contracted the coronavirus. That was their biggest fear. Little did they imagine that someone, according to this society, black people are not gainfully employed. That's what systemic racism continues to perpetuate. And here was Brianna working as an EMT, going home to sleep so she could get up and go to work the next day, and the police came and shot her up, despite the fact that the person they claimed they claimed they were looking for. They had already apprehended in custody 12 hours before and the cops knew off. And yet still they went and fired shots into her body and shot her seven times. I want to say Jesus Christ, because I am telling you all right now, pray for me. Because if that were my kid, like I said, I have a 27-year-old daughter. If that were my kid shot seven times, every police officer involved in that, they would be tried seven times. They would pay so much, they wouldn't have nothing left. Because we could say we're going to file civil suits, you know, money does not bring your child back, but I'm going to make you pay because you took my child's life. Now, imagine if police went into a white girl's home, somebody else, a white man's 27-year-old daughter, and shot her. Seven damn times while she's sleeping. Imagine what an outrage that would be. The outrage, America, cannot stop. We have to continue. Y'all who are demonstrating, don't give up the fight. Keep in the fight. Keep bringing pressure on the system of oppression until it is brought down they're pushing back the government is pushing back the president keeps saying he's going to turn the military on americans well i guess he wants to disturb america because he's on his way out and he doesn't like the fact that he's on his way out. so he's trying to do as much and wreak as much havoc as he can on his way out because there's no way that all that protesting and revolting is not directed at him it's the rage the rage that he destroyed something that we all held dear in america we held our peace And our safety, dear, he took away our security that something as simple as a virus could cripple the American economy, brought the American economy shuddering to a halt because he was careless and asleep at the switch and his ineptitude and incompetence contributed to it. And now you want to turn the military on people, law-abiding citizens who, according to the Constitution, have a right just because you choose to ignore the constitution it's your fault you didn't study government it's your fault you wanted to be president and didn't hire smart people around you to tell you that there are some things you cannot do constitutionally the united states cannot declare war on its own people you can't declare war on the people who live in dc you can't declare war on the people who live in michigan you can't sit there you're responsible to tell people to go liberate Michigan and they show up in the Capitol with swastikas and nooses and then you back off as if you can hide behind a fence around the White House. You are wrong, with the President, and wrong every time you have destroyed this country. And it is wrong. And now you have mobilized and militarized and told the people with guns to pick up their guns and shoot people that it is okay for them to do so. How would you feel? if you lost ivanka how would you feel if your grandchildren didn't live to see their 27th birthday it would hurt you that is the pain that people are feeling right now every person in america who has a child today when you see your child pick up the phone and call your child just to hear their voice brianna's taylor's parents their phone is silent just in case you've never lost anybody have you ever lost anybody and you pick up the phone and call their voicemail you call the dial their number just to hear their voice my mother has been dead for three years she left me a voicemail in december 2016 or january 2017. i still keep that voicemail to this day why just so i can hear her voice to remind me that she lived brianna taylor's parents the only living thing they have of their child is her dead body in a grave in some place in Kentucky. Was that fair? I'm white America, you can't continue to disavow and pretend that black Americans don't exist. Doing so is you saying to yourself that I can't accept the burden that my ancestors left me. So you push it away and continue to use oppressive tactics. To keep black people undermined so that you can continue because you don't want to have to deal with the fact that you really were are descendants of some very wicked people who murdered and raped and pillaged black people. You are afraid to confront it, so in your fear, you continue to use oppression so black people stay silent and never rise up. But in the meantime, it would have been better if you had made peace with it because at least you would have gotten the chance to at least live and coexist. Now, people are saying enough. You militarized the police and gave them carte blanche to open fire on black people by your treatment of black people. You use the racist system of oppression to enforce racism by militarizing the police. So the police feel very justified in their killing of black bodies. Just yesterday, the trial of the two men in Georgia who shot and killed Ahmad Aubrey, while his body was laying in the street before the police showed up, do you know what they called him? It's caught on tape. The investigator from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said he heard the man say, on tape, "effin' nigger." That's what he said after he shot and killed Ahmad Aubrey. Do you know Ahmad Arbery's parents were in the adjacent courtroom listening to the testimony of what that man said after he killed their son? This is, this is the legacy that your ancestors have left you. you comfortable with it? We're going to continue to shove it in your face and push it up before you until you drop your weapons and drop your weapons of systemic racial oppression. I had high hopes for Mr. Trump. I really did. I wanted to believe that he was going to bring us together. I bought his message, seriously. I'm like, I like the guy. We'd always admired him because, you know, he was this huge businessman and so on and came back from bankruptcy and so on. And I was like, this dude is cool as kittles. I mean, like, this is a cool dude. I had high hopes for him. Even while he was campaigning and espousing racist propaganda, I'm like, he's saying that to rile people up so he can get more votes. I had high hopes for him. I lost my hope when I saw what happened in DC. I lost my hope, I lost it. Of all the things, the people at the border, I was still saying, "Mm, he can come around. If we expose him to the right idea, if we talk to him, he's a reasonable man. You know, I even asked people whom I knew, I'm like, maybe we need to sit down with a guy and expose him." we're even working towards that. But turning, the military on the rest of us, he lost me there. He totally lost me. I'm like, dude, that's not what we do. We don't do that. Now, the American military was one of the pillars of our society whom we all admired. That has eroded this week. I believe there are going to be recriminations in a few months, there are going to be inquiries, and it's not going to be pretty. This is our military. It's our tax dollars that pays for this stuff. The police are paid by the cities in which they live and operate. It's our tax dollars that does that. The police go to the mayor and the city council and say crime is up. We need more tools to fight crime. So they increase the budget. The police go and say, well, our officers are in a life and death situation every day, which they are. We need more money to, to compensate them, and the city council says yes. So the police continue to get tools because they're like, we need more sophisticated tools because the criminals have more sophisticated guns. Instead of policing to make sure there are no guns coming in, you get more guns to fight guns. Of course, it was never going to end good in that kind of scenario. It never was going to end good, and here we are. We don't, I find that the police don't do effective policing. Why is there still crime? They know where the criminals are. Why can't the criminals be flushed out? Oh, I can't be bothered. I'm driving home. Oh, I'm on the phone. Oh, I'm looking at porn. They don't, they're not doing effective. They're like, oh, me? I'm not putting my life in, online for that. But they turn around, and the speed with which they're willing and quick to kill innocent people is alarming. It is alarming to the rest of us. I really think we need reform. We need reform and we need it in a comprehensive manner that is going to make all citizens feel safe, not just white people who see the police and are pretty assured that the police will never stop them, even though they might be driving around with a whole cache of guns. They're never going to be worried about being pulled over by the police. They're never going to worry about the police coming to do a military action. Notice I said the police doing a military action in their neighborhood. They never have to worry about that. But the rest of us, especially black people, because there is a history of violence against black people perpetrated by a white oppressive economic system that has no foundations and no basis because white human trafficked black people, white ancestors human trafficked black people from Africa, brought them here and murdered them, killed them, raped them both men and women. And then you want to continue doing that to their descendants. America, we got a problem. We need to face it. Breonna Taylor's 27th birthday is today. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Every parent right now ought to think about that. If you have a child right now, you need, as a black parent, you're probably asking, will my son, live to see his 22nd or 25th or 26th birthday. Black parents should not have to wonder where their 27-year-old daughter is. They should be looking forward to planning her wedding, planning her first child, the birth of her first child, planning to help buy her a house. The plans around my house are to make sure my 27-year-old daughter passes the bar exam, help her get set up in her practice, help her plan her wedding, help her get her first house, and help her when, she's planned, when she plans to start her own family. That's the plan for my 27-year-old daughter. That's the plan for my youngest daughter, who is now 17, who will live to see more than her 27th birthday. That is what every parent should be planning for. How will they finish college? When they finish college, what's going to happen? Where will they live? Where will they work? guiding them showing them how life works not na- helping them navigate systems and economically oppressive systems nobody should be standing over the graveside of a 27 year old child whose life has been lost to violence tamir rice was 12 years old his parents should never have to stand over his grave because police pulled up and opened fire on a 12 year old boy with a toy gun whereas a white kid with a toy gun, would never, ever be shot. Trayvon Martin was walking around in a hoodie. Do you know I never wore hoodies before Trayvon Martin? Did you know that? I never wore a hoodie before Trayvon Martin. Never. But when Trayvon Martin was killed and George, whatever his Zimmerman said that he was killed because he was wearing a hoodie and, and blah, 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 my daughter was in college at the time. She said, Mom, it's racist because... It doesn't make any sense because all college kids wear hoodies. So I said, we all need to put on a hoodie. I went out and bought hoodies. I've been wearing hoodies ever since. Some of you have seen me on my broadcast uh, with hoodies on, right? Right? So when you look at these kinds of things, uh, you, you have to wonder. Thank you. Uh, because of differences in the way we grieve, the loss of a child too often results in separation or divorce. That is very true. I have known I I have known families where that has happened, where the loss of a child report you know results in that. I've known families, and I've also known people who have stayed together because of it. Because it's it's two things that a loss of a child will do. It will either unite you or separate you. Because people grieve differently. Some people believe in the perpetuation of a monument to the child. And some people believe in the erasing of the child's living, you know, anything that references the child's life. The point is, it destroyed everyone's life. Do you see what I mean? The point is, people's lives are destroyed when a child is lost. If you have a child, and God forbid you have a child, and the child becomes sick, over time and you're constantly in hospitals and so on. That too causes uh, the separation and divorce. I've known of families where that has happened. I've spoken to people and held people's hands and walked them through the grief process. But that is one thing. But you're at home or you are at work or you are out at the mall and you get a text message to come down to the morgue and then you go home and the police are waiting to tell you that we have a problem and you said no it can't happen it can't be my kid what do you mean you shut up brianna i just talked to her she said she went home last night supposed to get together tomorrow we're going shopping tomorrow there is no tomorrow because she's gone permanently erased from the face of the earth i think we all need i used to wonder why there were so many cemeteries in cities and i said well maybe a hundred years ago they thought it would never be this build up right but In driving past cemeteries around Metro Detroit, I have come to the acceptance that we need to start thinking about who is laying in those places. Every time you see a funeral, you need to ask, who is that being laid there? Is that a black life who was shot by violence? Is that a black life who was shot by police killing? And make us conscious of who we are and make us test the very fabric of our character and the very fabric of who we are as individuals. You can't be so dismissive about other people's lives that it doesn't matter. You can't be so unconscious that the systemic racism issues that happened, and on top of that, we had a pandemic that happened, have caused 16.8% of the black population in America to be unemployed. It is the unemployment rate amongst blacks is higher than it was before the pandemic. Prior to that, it was 14%, now it's 16.8%. That tells you we have systemic issues. And on top of that, you have a racist, oppressive military state that wants to police black bodies and shoot black people without impunity. You don't have any regard for my life or my children's lives. You immediately look at them as criminals. My daughter is an attorney. You're going to go look at her and by the color of her skin determine that she has no value and shoot her? Man, you would be sued within an inch. You would have nothing left. I am not afraid of the police state. Because I guarantee you if they come after me, they're going to have something else to do. I am not afraid of the police state. I am not a criminal. I don't have a record. Try me on. This is ridiculous. Every black American needs to start standing up. Whether you come from the Caribbean like myself or you come from Africa, every black American needs to stand up and say enough, is enough. You're not going to shoot my family, my brothers, my sons, my husbands, and you are not going to kill my children. Enough. Are you hearing me the police? Enough. It is not gonna go down like this. Anymore. Just yesterday, with all the stuff going on in DC, y'all know I have relatives in Maryland. I reached out because I want to hear, I know their voices are still here because you wouldn't touch them, but I still want to hear that they're here. I have brothers and nephews and cousins. I have nieces, my sisters, my sister my precious brother-in-law they've known me all my life i've known them all my life it ain't gonna go down like that i don't want to hear my brother and i don't want to hear my brother-in-law has an issue don't let me hear it do you understand what i'm saying because of the color of their skin this has got to stop and if you are white and you're watching this you ought to be uncomfortable and you should be uncomfortable. If this does not make you uncomfortable, you are not human. Stop being dismissive about people's lives. Black people are people. Stop listening to the rhetoric that your ancestors have been perpetrating for years, because in their effort to glorify their own measly existence, they have to put down a whole group of people with a culture. Our culture is richer than yours. When white people were in Europe running around in loincloth, black people in Africa had hierarchies and systems and educational structures and civil and social structures. Meanwhile, your ancestors were in Europe running around in loincloth, calling yourself Richard the Braveheart. Black people had universities and had established hierarchies of who was in charge. When your ancestors went to Africa, They made sure they got the kings and queens. Do you realize the oral tradition that is passed down is different from your record of history, white people? You lied and wrote the history books wrong. That's why we don't respect it. Because the oral tradition that was passed down is not that black people sold black people away. That's the same lie that is being perpetuated now that the people who are protesting in the streets are cursed. That is the same lie. It's coming from the same place, the same hatred. It's the same hatred, generation after generation, 400 years later, we're still here. Wow, and am I indignant? You bet I am, I should be. Walking around in my skin, I can't help it. How can I ignore being indignant? How can I? When my life is threatened by my, the existence, by me living in my skin, how can I not be indignant? How can I not be indignant when I have black relatives all over the country? I have to worry about their existence like they're worried about mine. You've got to be kidding me. And you're telling me that we should not have redress, that we should not have reparations, that we should not have revisiting of these ancient traditions that causes one race to think themselves superior When all they were looking for was more money, they were looking for a route and a way to make more money because their societies had dried up. They had no more resources, no money. That's the truth, white people. That is the truth. They didn't tell you that, but that was the truth. So they went and found other people. They found people in the East too. That's why there's this history of tension between white Europeans and China because China was resistant from the beginning. Because China was like, we have our own civilization and our own culture. We do not need you to come here and tell us how to live and how to be. The Chinese resisted to this day. That's the history. So when you hear they're saying all kinds of things, here is the truth. You need to read history. And not from the perspective that your ancestors were right. They were not right. They covered it up they covered up the raping and the pillaging that they did on people of color. And a lot of you say, well, that doesn't matter, no. It does matter because when you see me in my skin, you immediately hate me and put me in the category of what your ancestors rhetoric says. That's why it has to stop. So I'm an author, I've written books, but when you see me in my skin, do you think that I'm an author? Do you buy my books if you were to meet me my skin and you didn't know anything about me would you look at me and say that's a decent person or were you going to judge me based on a category that you immediately put me in that has to stop the criminalizing of people based on the color of their skin has to stop right right uh this is the reason. Yeah. So I'm reading what this gentleman is saying. Possession of stolen property is still a crime regardless of how you come into came into ownership. Uh when you read the story surrounding Brianna Taylor's situation, first of all, her partner had nothing to do with what the police were investigating they had a mutual friend who used to come to their apartment, according to the police and pick up packages. So under surveillance of the mutual friend, they made the connection. They assumed that Brianna Taylor and her partner were committing, uh, were harboring this criminal. Turns out the guy was using their address just to capture uh, inf- uh, packages. You know, like how I have a post office box and you have a post office box? One day they did follow the person whom they were interested in and found out that his packages did not have drugs. It is in the police report, if you read it, which they have no basis and no justification. See, the police know how to get your attention and they know how to write the report to criminalize Brianna and her partner. They had no interest in him. He had a job, he was working too of course he can carry a gun he legally had right to carry the gun that he fired and a court, you the police break down knock on your door at three o'clock in the morning you going to believe it's the police no he didn't know who they were they were trying to beat down his door to come in of course that's what you would do right isn't that what you say you have to carry a gun to defend yourself but well, that's what this man was doing so there was no the, the brianna taylor and her partner never had a criminal record. So don't go criminalizing them. And this is what the police do all the time. They use perception and the power of perception to criminalize people. So you can say, well, her partner was kind of mixed up, so she kind of had it coming to her. No, that's what we are saying. I used to say that too, because I used to say, well, you know, the police, the police are not going to go there if something is not wrong, until I read more and more of these stories and I realized they do do that. And they write the stories after the facts, when they realize that, oh my God, I killed an innocent person. How is this going to look? The Louisville police chief put in for retirement after this this investigation, because he realizes the officers were wrong. But then right under the George Floyd protests, they killed another man who had nothing to do with what was going on. He was a business owner and they still killed him. So the mayor fired him because they turned off the body camera. They knew that Brianna Taylor had nothing to do with the man they were looking for. In fact, they had been notified that the man they were looking for had in fact been in police custody 12 hours before. They had no justification. They were just face it, friend, face it. They were trigger happy and wanted to kill somebody. And Brianna Taylor was a sitting, willing victim. Because she's black, she has no, 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 no currency with people like you in the society. She has no platform to stand on. She's not a person of worth, according to the society. So she was an easy mark. He was trigger happy. But he knows in his trigger happiness that he could not cross the tracks and go to a white neighborhood and kill a white girl who is asleep in her home with her boyfriend. He knows he could not have done that. So he chose somebody who has no name, no position, whom the society decries as not a person worthy of their time and effort. That is the backstory. That's what we call systemic racism. It's systemized. It's system-wide. It's all over the country. In every situation, in every county, city, jurisdiction you're going you find the same methods of operation. It's in corporate America. It's there when you go to buy a car. It's there in lending practices and how much they lend to small businesses. It's there in every way of life. That's why we call it systemic racism. It's system-wide, and it's a system designed to continue the 400-year-long oppression of Black people. That's all it is. It's not designed against Hispanics. It's not designed against Asians. It's purely the color of your skin and my skin. That's all it comes down to. That's all it comes down to. And we need to, I know you're nodding your head because you're seeing it now in a way that we never looked at it before because we inherently want to believe the police is right. We inherently want to always believe that they're siding on the side of law and order, they're siding on the side of right and wrong. After all, don't we see nightly reports on TV about crime running rampant and about criminals running through the streets as if it's nothing that criminals run amok. That's what You know what that happens? That's also part of the system of racism. That's the media portraying that to enforce the idea that the police are hard on crime and they must do something about the criminals, isn't it? We have a joke running in our household that before the pandemic, When the pandemic started, we became so tired of hearing about the coronavirus that we were like, man, maybe we should go, they should just go back to the days of reporting about Detroit's east side. Every news article, every major breaking news was always shooting on Detroit's east side. White men beat up their girlfriends and their wives in counties in Michigan. I can tell you, I have a shelter. I'm in the business of violence against women. I can tell you what happened. People shoot their kids up and shoot up. You don't see it on the news. But there's always a shooting on Detroit's east side. If you're in Chicago, there's a shooting this morning on the south side of Chicago. Every time I go into another city, I turn on the local news. I go to Pittsburgh, it's the same thing. I go to Philly, it's the same thing. You go to LA, it's the same thing. I'm in Sacramento, there is a shooting the continued perception and the optics of putting forward that black people are inherently criminals. That's why we call it systemic racism. A friend of mine uh, who lives in Lansing is a black man. Actually, he's mixed. He's biracial, he's black and Asian, right? And he's a businessman and an entrepreneur. As a matter of fact, he had just met with some people at Sparrow Hospital and he has businesses going. He was on his way home with his employee who was a white girl, a white woman. His name is Jeffrey Brown. Go read his story on, on Facebook. And he was accustomed, he, a man came up to him and asked him for information that he could not release to him because of HIPAA laws. He works in healthcare. He has, his businesses are in healthcare. Somebody came up to him and asked him for information. He said, I can't give it to him. That same white man called the police on Jeffrey. When the police, he told the police that Jeffrey was a drug dealer. Jeffrey was dressed in blazer and jeans. That's usually what he wears. Anybody who knows him and wears those uh, gym shoes that everybody wears today, right? But you wear a blazer based on business, right? The police showed up and humiliated him, dragged him out of his car and handcuffed him even while he was explaining what he did. Then the state police showed up because a white man called the police and told them that my friend, who is a minister of the gospel, in addition to being an entrepreneur, in addition to being on the Lansing Fire Council, city council, they actually called him a criminal. They criminalized him because a white man picked up the phone and called the police because he didn't like that Jeffrey didn't give what he wanted. So he acted out, knowing that if he called the police and told the police that a black man is a drug dealer, that the entire police apparatus would show up. And that's exactly what happened. So you want to tell me again about Breonna Taylor being criminalized? Do you know how easy it is for people of color? Now, if you knew Jeffrey, you would say no way in hell could that happen to him. Because you knew him. So you know that drug dealing, he probably prays for drug dealers to get saved, to be honest with you. I kid you not. If you knew him, you would know that this is not true. Yet a white man who is a nondescript person, who doesn't have a business, who probably works as probably a street sweeper somewhere, had more calling card and more, more, more standing with the police than a black man who is a businessman. It's called living while black. I'm an author and speaker, a white woman who cannot walk miles in my shoes, never wrote a book, has no calling, never did anything. Oper- I operate a shelter, don't do anything. She could just be somebody who just came right out of Appalachia with no teeth. She has more credibility with the society than I do walking in my skin. My name is Harriet Kamek. I have gone places to speak where when I show up, they didn't realize I was black because my resume, they didn't believe, I I kid you not, that is what is called systemic racism. That's what we're talking about. So I thank you for your comments. And I hope that you take this and it changes your perception of what happens to people like Jeffrey and what happens to people like me. It should never have happened to Jeffrey. Jeffrey ended up going back to a city council meeting in Lansing. And, and when, the, you know, they apologized to him and the gentleman who did it actually came up and said, I'm sorry, man. No, Jeffrey was in his skin living while black. And you showed up and called the city and state police on someone whom you interact with. In the sphere of leadership in the city. Tell me now if that is not oppression. Tell me now that that is not what it is all about. I will never change the skin I am in. I can't. I am made this way and I am happy about it. If I accept you in your skin, you should give me the dignity and respect that is accorded to me in my skin. I should be treated based on the, that's why Martin Luther King said, Treat me based on the content of my character, not the color of my skin. If the content of my character is that I'm not a criminal, don't criminalize me. Don't write stories about me that make it sound like Brianna Taylor, that her partner was engaged in crime. Years ago, true story. My foundation, the Exodus Foundation, we run a shelter for human trafficking victims. When I first set up years ago, me... I invite everybody to come take a look. I reach out to, I went to some forums and people in, in upper law enforcement, not the police, people in, in, at federal levels, reached out. I don't have anything to hide. I am me all day in my skin. It is what it is. They came, they looked at what we were doing and I'm pretty sure they were running their background checks. I was comfortable. This is me sitting down, crossing my legs. Like, yeah this is me i'm doing what i'm doing because there is a real need out there and we gotta meet it. okay okay to this day why i have no fear of the oppressive system i have no fear of it and i should not my belief is that i shouldn't have to that it is supposed to be there to protect me as long as i'm not breaking the law but you can't tell me that protesting according to the Constitution is a way of evoking change and bringing attention to issues that's what the Constitution says that that is criminalizing people that's what we're talking about systemic racist oppression you may not like racism but what else can we use to describe it uh, let's see Oppressive? divisive doesn't begin to quantify and encapsulate all that this system has done to people over time. It doesn't begin to encapsulate the trauma that Brianna Taylor, Taylor's parents and family members are going through today. It's a trigger, y'all. Do you realize that they have to, every time you talk about George Floyd and Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice, that it's a trigger for survivors? You remember a few weeks ago when the president accused Joe Scarborough of committing murder on his employee, a a staff member who had worked for him? You remember? And the widower of the the woman who had died begged the president to stop. You know why? It's a trigger. It's reigniting the flames of his grief, reigniting the pain and the loss and the suffering, and putting it all out there in a news cycle that just was endless. And the man begged him to stop, and the president had no regard for anybody's suffering because he was making a point so he could win an election. That's what we're talking about. Every time I talk about Breonna Taylor, that's a trigger for the family members, but we have to talk about it because we cannot let her memory and her life be in vain she cannot have lived in vain because she didn't kill herself she didn't do anything she was not a criminal the police know that but they don't want you to know that because they have to do it so that in their defense they were protecting the city from crime because that's what citizens want to hear and they say citizens they're not talking about me they're talking about white people they're not talking about me they don't care they couldn't care less what i think they couldn't care less what is important to me they're talking about white people whom when they go home, they have to live with. This is why we say that it must end. I am so sorry to every parent, every family member, every friend, every child who has lost the parents of this kind of violence, every relative, somebody whom she went to school with who becomes overcome with emotion when they remember, every community member, somebody she went to church with somebody she went to elementary school with, someone she worked with. I am so sorry. Today is her birthday, and she didn't live to see it. Her, they can bake a cake. Who, her mom probably wants to go get a cake. Who is she going to bring it to? I have a 27-year-old daughter. Her birthday's in September. She better live. You all better let her live to see her birthday because would be, it would not be pretty. I have a 17-year-old daughter who has a birthday in a couple of weeks. I want my children to live. You want your children to live? What about Black parents? The systemic oppression continues to paint Black people as if they are criminals, so they are not worthy of a life existence. It was the same excuse they gave for 400 years of slavery. Slavery never ended in 1860s. No, it didn't. There was Reconstruction, and then there was Jim Crow. Slavery did not end until the 1960s. And to this day, it's not slavery anymore. It's called systemic racial oppression. The same system, the same philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior is the same system that persists today. My sympathies today are with the family of Breonna Taylor. I pray peace to them and comfort to them on this, her 27th birthday that she didn't live to see. My name is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for watching and thank you so much for listening to me. Go to my website, harrykamek.com, and while you're at it, get my book, Through the Fire. It's a story of violence. It's a story of how I overcame violence, and I ask you to get this copy. We are continuing to send this book as a resource to domestic violence shelters around the country. Go to amazon.com. And you can find my book, Through the Fire. Thank you so much for listening. Share my story. Share this podcast. It's available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and so on. Thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate you. Stay safe this weekend. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you Sunday. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for your comments. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. I really do appreciate it. Be blessed, everybody.